0: Thank you guys. We say thank you to our worship team, please. You do a fantastic job. Today, we continue a season of waiting. And um, this, this advent time, has a lot wrapped up in it, and uh, so have you ever used something like a tool or maybe some clothing or whatever to do something that it's not intended to do, that you've used it not for its purpose, right? I, I asked this question on Facebook this week and got some good answers, and, uh, but how about this first thing right here? This, this is something that's not used for the purpose that it's supposed to be used for, right? Yeah. Raise your hand if you've done it. Yeah, come on. Be honest. It's okay. Uh, how about the next one? These are good. Okay. Yeah. So you'll find these on OSHA fail. Okay, if you Google search OSHA fails, this is another. How about the next one? This is a little dangerous. Yeah. Um, watch out for that guy. Um, I mean, how willing are you to get paid at work to do that? And then this is the last one. Uh, Frank actually submitted to us. Um, the, you know, it's a crescent wrench, but it's really just a universal tool. And lots of times, growing up on the farm, you didn't have a pen for the drawbar. You use whatever is available. I've used a, a stick before. So, there's lots of things that we use that they have one purpose, but we use them for something completely different. And sometimes items they, they get used for another thing, right? Well, at Christmas time, we celebrate the Advent season, which is a celebration of the reason, the purpose for why Jesus came to Earth. And today we're going to walk through the reason. why? What was the purpose for Jesus? Come into this world, and last week we had a short history lesson um, that we walked through this 400-year gap between the Old Testament time and the New Testament, and we we remember um, that in our lives we just take the Bible and we if we read Malachi we just turn the page, and it's this whole new test the New Testament, the beginning of Jesus' story in the world. But we remember 445 B.C., um, the Hebrew people, they go back to Jerusalem after Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in just 52 days, a huge construction task. But he got it done. And after they returned to Jerusalem, they thought that everything was going to be the same. For 140 years they were in captivity and they heard all about how God spoke to them. How God was relating with them. How they had a relationship rather directly or indirectly with the creator of the universe. And uh, they anticipated this this relationship to continue. Going back to the good old days of being God's people. God's chosen people um, from their father Abraham who had many sons. And many sons father Abraham. Now, I'm one of them. So are you. So we just praise the Lord. But uh, as we unpack last week from about 430 BC um, to the birth of Jesus, God was silent. There was there's no interaction between God and man. No um, prophets speaking in God's place on the earth. And um, and so he was silent, but he was still working. And that's what we talked about last week. We learned that there's a few attributes of, of Advent that we all participate in. There, it's a time of anticipation, right? Like, what's coming up? What do we got? We have our church calendar is full of stuff between now and Christmas Day. And the excitement of the unknown events and things that will happen. We just live in anticipation. On a much smaller level, um, we live in the anticipation of Christmas, our family gatherings, um, gifts that we might give or receive. Uh, but the people of Israel, they were anticipating the Messiah, the Savior of their people, the Savior of the world. That in Isaiah spoke about this Messiah coming to see them, to be a part of the world 300 years before they were even in captivity. And so they go back to Jerusalem. And um, they live in this time of anticipation, and Advent's also a time of preparation, a time to get ready for all the events that we're going to have, right? You saw how much preparation happened in the last week outside for the live nativity. Um, We had to prepare. There's lots of stuff going on to decorate, lots of preparations. And we do the same thing at home. we got to go to the store, make the list. What are we going to uh, shop for, for food and for gifts and plan all the gatherings and who's coming and where are we going to meet and all those things. But the people of Israel, they were preparing, they were anticipating the Messiah, but they were preparing their hearts for the arrival of the Messiah, the Savior of their people and the whole world and they waited and they waited and they waited for 400 years anticipating and preparing the whole time for the hope that the messiah would bring and today we want to look at the purpose the purpose for why Jesus the messiah the savior of the world needed to come why was he why was he on the way why was the name the manger needed why was the, the details of Mary and Joseph and their relationship and how they got to Bethlehem and all the little details that happened, what was the purpose of Him coming? And we're going to do this today by answering three different questions. Um, questions that we've asked before here. And we've used them in regard to how we work better as we as Jesus followers prepare to, to, to try and extend grace. And show love and serve others. That's our mission statement. If you are not familiar with Emporia First Church, that's, what we, that's the kind of people that we are striving to be, that extend grace, show love, and serve others. And we ask these questions. What breaks your heart? What are you passionate about? And what does love require of you? And the answers to these questions If you've answered them before, they're significant enough to change the path of your life completely. It can change your relationships, change the way you spend your money. It can change the way you spend your time and who you spend that time with. It can change your profession sometimes, depending on what uh, the answers to these questions revolve around. It can define your purpose for life just as it did for Jesus. So our scripture focus today will be in the book of John. So if you want to take out your Bibles or your electronic devices and find the book of John, it's the fourth book of the New Testament. And uh, it, it's one of the four books that tell the story of Jesus and the life that he lived here on earth. It was written by the uh, disciple named John, uh, obviously, because the name, the name of the book is John. But he wrote it about 85 A.D., which was about 50 years after all the events that were recorded actually happened, right? And, and John, um, in, in the four accounts of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, that document the life and ministry of Jesus, John is easily the most personal. Okay? It's the most relational, and you can feel it in the way that he writes um, these letters, Uh, that he had a relationship with God that that he was with Jesus from the beginning he was one of the first disciples called um, with Peter and Andrew and James his brother and then John Jesus just walked by him one day and said follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and they did and so he was with him the entire time he did life with Jesus for three full years And he learned and watched and saw how Jesus acted and taught and interacted with people. He was at the foot of the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and watched Jesus die. The only disciple that was there. The rest of them flew. They got out of there. Okay, He was the only disciple known to uh, die from natural causes. He lived that long a life and it seemed like um, God had mercy on him. Now it wasn't without some Um, pain and suffering because he was dipped in boiling oil uh, for his faith and he lived. So they just put him on an island by himself, the island of Patmos. And that's where he writes the five books of the Bible that he is responsible for. And the central theme of the book of John it, it really embodies the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Does anybody know what it is? It's love. Love is the central theme of John. It's, it's written and weaved in and out of all of the things that John writes. And the purpose of, him, of Jesus coming to the world was to show the world then and to show the world now what love truly looks like. What does it look like? Not what does it mean, what does it look like? And he demonstrates that love in lots of different ways, right? And, and, and when he begins his ministry he does um, some 40 recorded miracles in the Bible that, that contain walking on water and, and healing people, raising people from the dead. And those are just the ones that were recorded. They weren't all of them, most likely. And John says that at the very end of, of in chapter 21 of John. He just kind of puts a little addendum at the end. Listen, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did while he was on the earth, we will not have enough paper. So just know that he did way more than what we've talked about here. But he did all these miracles. He talked to strangers. Okay, and we teach our kids not to do that. But kind of try and parallel your life and what love looks like through the lens of Jesus' life. He talked to strangers. He loved his neighbor. And he accepted everyone. He shared his message in terms that people could understand. He tried to promote the gospel as best he could in the terms that everyone could get. See, religious leaders from um, in that time, the people that were in the synagogues, the Pharisees, they didn't want people to know too much about Scripture, right? They didn't want people to understand it a whole, all the way to its fullest extent. But Jesus shared Scripture and the way we should live in terms that everyone could understand. He told them stories. He identified with them, parables. And, and he made the gospel available to everyone. And that's important for us, right? And Jesus demonstrated exactly to what length love was willing to go to, uh, to show what love means. So, um, and even uh, after all those things that Jesus did for the people, uh The most important thing is defined here. And so we look in John chapter 15 today. um, And he demonstrates for us, and to set this up, this is Jesus and the disciples are walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just hours, maybe even less, before he is arrested and hauled off to be tried and crucified. And here in John John chapter 15, verse 9, as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for another. He's, he's telling them this. This is a time where Jesus is getting off of his chest everything that he needs to tell the disciples so they're ready to take on the world once he has been crucified. And let's be honest, we know it didn't work because they all fled, right? Peter denies them. Judas betrays him. There's lots of stuff going on. Uh, and so for hours on end, just two chapters before this, hours before, he tells the disciples the great, the, to, to love one another. As I, that's how people will know you're, you're my follower, by the way that you love. So this passage defines for us the purpose of Jesus coming to the world. So when we go back to our questions and answer them through the life and the arrival of Jesus, what, what breaks your heart? We're going to look at it through the lens of, of Jesus' purpose. What are you passionate about? What does love require of you? So let's reverse the words a little bit. What is Jesus, what breaks Jesus' heart? Sin. Sin breaks Jesus' heart. It separates us from God. The things that we do. Uh, His only, His very creation. He was there in the beginning. John writes that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning. Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was there. They all were a part of creation. And His creation now is willingly choosing not to follow God's commands. And this breaks His heart. And, and it breaks his heart, the way that we treat each other. The way that his followers, Christians, professing Christians, the way we talk to each other and get after each other, the way that Christians interact with non-Christians, and how we treat each other, it breaks his heart. And the, the very, his own very creation, the one that's made in his image, the way that we treat others made in his image, breaks his heart. Now, it doesn't have to, but the sin is what breaks the heart of God. So what's Jesus passionate about? Sin is what Jesus is what breaks his heart, but what is Jesus passionate about? Well, he's passionate about sharing the message of the gospel, right, with everyone. Not just the people in the room, not just people who look the right way, but with everyone. And he took it even further with tax collectors, right? They had their own... Uh, category of sin because they were so bad Uh, in scripture it talks a lot about the sinners and tax collectors they're they're always tagged in there he shared the gospel with them with sick people he wanted sick people to know about Jesus he wanted about his purpose for being here people caught in sin right Um, not only was he passionate about sharing his message he was passionate about living it out and that's where we see this right here that greater love has no man than to lay down his life. There's action behind it all. And Jesus was passionate about sharing the message of love to the world, of his love to the world. Jesus was passionate about making sure his purpose for coming to the earth in the first place, the, the very reason would be carried out from the day that he was born in that manger, in that, in that stable. He's passionate about people and, and how they understand the love of God. He's passionate about you. A little further down um, in this passage that we didn't read in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, Jesus said. I chose you. And so this is my command to love each other just as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus is passionate about sharing the love of God with people. And so um, we know what breaks Jesus' heart, and that's sin. We know what he's passionate about, and that's sharing the love of God with others. But let's look at um, what does love require of Jesus. Let's first look at what love does not require. Let's do that. Love does not require um, Jesus to point out everyone's faults. Yet, we probably do that, don't we? I do. I'm there. Okay. Uh, Love does not require Jesus to show everyone how smart he was. Okay? He was God in a body. He was pretty smart, right? He, he knew everything, so he was smart. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to be right. He didn't come to the earth to be right. He came to make a difference in people's lives. So what does love require of Jesus? What, when he was on the earth, what did love require? Well, love required building deep relationships with the people around him. While he was here on earth, he wanted to build deep relationships with people. Love required him serving people that didn't necessarily deserve to be served. Love required Jesus to set the standard for how followers should act. How we act out love to other people. In the way that we treat others. In the way that we react. When we hear all the bad news that comes. What does love require of us in that? That's what Jesus, that's what was required of Jesus, to show us how we act, how we react, and then how we interact. Like we said before, the way that we treat each other, the way that we do life together in accord with his love. Love requires the most, it it required the most unmatchable demonstration of love ever, of Jesus. Even though he knew what was going to happen, right? He knew what was coming, He knew before he was born what was coming. And love required a sacrifice that only Jesus could give. That greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for another. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. And he knew that purpose since the Garden of Eden. Okay, let's be fair. He entered the world to do one thing, right? To die for the sins of God of the world, the entire world. And he entered the world to show us that love requires, what, what love requires of everyone, everyone that professes to be his follower, that he entered the world to be something for us that no one else could be except for the perfect Lamb of God. In the, pers- in, in the season of Advent, this time that we're in anticipation and preparation and we're waiting, our purpose is to follow the, exa- the example of Jesus. That's what we're here to do. Our purpose is not to point out the faults of everyone else. It's, not to, um, it's, to, it's to love people in the middle of their faults, right? Because you have them too, and what does that mean? That somebody else is loving you through your faults. Hopefully, that's, that's what love requires of us. Our purpose is not to show everyone how smart we are about the Bible. Okay, um, And it, it's great. We need to take Scripture and what it reveals to us and how we live that out in our life and let that be the example of what the Scripture is all about. No, not to say, no, nope, you can't do it. No, nope, no, nope, we're not there to do that. It doesn't matter how smart. All, if we know, you know all the stories in the Bible and we can say all the books of the Bible in order, okay, uh, and those are all good things, but we, we need to put action into everything. And our purpose is not to be right all the time, which is good because we're not, right? It's to make a difference in people's lives. We do that. We try and focus here at this church on extending grace and showing love, serving others. That's how we try and live that out on a day-to-day basis. And our purpose is to love one another which is also what we're commanded to do. The last command that Jesus gave, to love one another. Not, you know, do not steal. Well, we're not supposed to do that either because if we're stealing from somebody, we're not loving the person that that belonged to. So this one command sums up all of the commands together. Okay, there's nobody in jail today for loving somebody too much. All right? All right. So the world existed for thousands and thousands of years of sin, which breaks the heart of God. And people, they were denying God. They're doing it their own way. They found ways to to sin better, right? We do that still today. Every time you turn on the news, you see something even more horrible because we're learning how to sin even better as as a people. And people, they're willfully hurting others. For personal gain. uh, People breaking the heart of God because of their sin. And at one point, God chooses just to hit the reset button, right? And he destroys the entire world, all of his creation, except for eight people and a bunch of animals. And um, by doing this, even the flood did not destroy sin. Why? Because Noah, he was a mess. He had the sin scar right here in the belly button, right? That's our sin scar. And and it did not. The, even though he destroyed the world because it was so sinful, did not change Jesus' purpose for coming to the earth. Because sin was still there, it was still in the world. And him, no one, his family lived that out. They had that human nature, and um, so what did love require of Jesus to fulfill his purpose? That's what love required, to fulfill his purpose. That, and, and while there are a ton of events and relationships and, and things like that that Jesus experienced while he was here on the earth, the purpose for him coming, the reason that we celebrate Jesus' birth, the reason why we place such a high amount of importance on Advent and we take time to read Scripture and the, do the readings that should hopefully make a, um, an impact in your heart, um, the purpose was to show the greatest act of love ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world. And he didn't just give, didn't just give his only son Jesus to come and be a good example. And, you know, and hope people kind of latch on to the things that he did and be nice. and Those are all good things, right? But he didn't just give us his only son to, become, uh, and to come and be a great Bible teacher and to disciple people and, and show uh, religious leaders how they should teach the Bible. Or, um, but, or he didn't really come to, to show us that it's not about all the rules, it's about a relationship with God. Yes, God has some rules that we need to follow, but it's about a relationship with Him. And if we're following, if we're in tight relationship and we do what we should for God, then the rules won't matter because we'll already be following those. That's not the purpose that God came. Kind of, he just didn't give His only Son for that. He gave His only Son so to, to die on the cross. Those are all things that Jesus did. He was a great Bible teacher. He healed people. He did wonderful things while he was here on the earth. He built deep relationships. I'm sure that in the 18-year gap between uh, the age of 12 and the age of 30, when we don't see anything from Jesus' life, I'm sure he had deep relationships and friends. But the purpose for Jesus coming at Christmas time comes in John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Through him. He didn't come to tell us that we're bad. We already know that. We see it all the time. He came to save the world. God sent his son to to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose for his birth. He came to earth. Heaven came to earth. Just like we sang today. Here comes heaven. That's where Jesus was for all those years between Adam and Eve sinning and manger time. Heaven came to earth that day. Almighty God, he walked around on two feet just like you and I do. He got tired. He probably got frustrated, but he showed patience and most importantly, he showed love. And even as the, um, that little baby in a manger, his purpose was to save all people by living a perfect life and uh, even though he didn't deserve it dying on a cross for us for our sins and then rising again on the third day and we celebrate that we celebrate that in uh, in Advent in the little things that we do and even in the way that we decorate God's house we do it with intentionality we do it with purpose so he's happy that we are thinking about Him, and that, that, uh, that we have a purpose to love as well. We celebrate in it through the sacrament of communion, and we take that usually once a month, um, and when we pass the elements around that represent Christ's broken body and shed blood on the cross for us, and we remember that. And we celebrate through the sacrament of baptism, we read about John the Baptist today in our in our scripture reading. Scott read it for us. That that's what his job was. He wasn't a Baptist. That was his profession. That wasn't his religion, okay, or denomination. John was he was a um, he was a preparer. He made a way. He was telling people here. I here comes Jesus, and he baptized people and he shared the gospel. And through the sacrament of baptism, where we publicly express our devotion and our love for Jesus. And today, we have three individuals that are going to do that. Um, that are looking forward to be baptized. And so, um, if you guys want to come on up, you three, Stormy and Summer and Michelle, and just come stand right up here for a moment. There's a few parts that, in the Church of the Nazarene, we like to, to read some important words, um, give you a little bit of... Uh, um, a charge, if you will. so we you know we've met and we've talked about what baptism means and um, to us